0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to Packers Unscripted. From Packers.com, I am Mike Spofford. He is the one and only Wes Hodkiewicz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. And Wes, it's Wednesday, our midweek show, and that means we'll take a look at the Packers' upcoming opponent. It's the AFC West Denver Broncos. They will come into Lambeau Field on Sunday for a noon Central Time kickoff. And... The Broncos, like the Packers, have a new head coach and a rookie head coach in this league, although Vic Fangio has certainly been around the NFL for quite some time. But the bottom line is right now with his team, whether you want to talk about roughing the passer and clock controversies that we discussed on our previous shows... The Broncos are 0 2, and they're still trying to get Vic Fangio his first win as a head coach.
1: Yeah, and you could talk about all those things. Certainly, we wasted a lot of breath the last few days, you know, expounding (laughs) upon all those topics. But to me, I expected them out of the gates to have some, you know, issues offensively. I think right now, what are they, 28th in the league, 15 points a game. What has surprised me is the defense, though, and we're going to talk about both sides of the ball here. But Vic Fangio, you think. Uh, You know, he doesn't blitz a lot, but he does generate a lot of pressure, generates takeaways. The Broncos right now don't have either. They don't have any sacks, and they don't have any turnovers for us. So um, that, I think, is going to be an anomaly. I think when you look at the firepower that that defense has, they're going to get their opportunities. But for the Green Bay Packers' perspective, you hope it's one week uh, after this uh, upcoming Sunday.
0: Yeah, I mean, let's uh, go ahead and talk about that defense, because you said it. The two statistics that jump out at you uh, is that through two games... No sacks and no turnovers, which for a Vic Fangio defense is almost like mind-boggling. It's right. hard to believe. And when you look at the players that they have, on the edges you have Von Miller and you have Bradley Chubb. And on the interior with that pass, pass rush, you have Derek Wolf who's yeah. being paid as, uh, as an elite interior rusher in this league. And Chris Harris, um, certainly a bona fide number one cornerback to uh, to lock down or attempt to lock down an opponent's yeah, top they spent, receiver.
1: they spent a lot of money, too, getting Bryce Callahan this offseason as well from Chicago, that was, who was yeah. their slot receiver. Yeah,
0: and, and Callahan is a guy kind of making that step up from being yep. the nickelback in Chicago right. to being a starter, but he obviously has all the knowledge of Fangio's defensive scheme and everything, so they felt he would be a good fit there. There's talent on that side of the ball, but uh, the no sacks and no turnovers through through two games is uh, really startling.
1: Yeah, and Vaughn Miller, some of these guys have talked about it, you know, their need to, to step up and, and to, you know, make some plays for this defense because certainly the firepower is there, as I just said. Uh, Bradley Chubb, I mean, I, I think he's one of the top young rushers in this league. Certainly the Denver made a big investment in him a year ago, and he paid them off for that. I think he had 12 and a half sacks last year. So yeah, seeing how these pieces come together and fit into Fangio's defense is going to be, you know, one of their big storylines for the season. Cause ultimately while they did trade for Joe Flacco, um, you know, they have different players there. I think offensively they feel they can win with, but the Broncos for the better part of the last decade have won with their defense. Um, you know, basically since. Uh, you know Peyton Manning's MVP season so um, for them finding that right rhythm you know they're not giving up a lot of points that's kept them in these ball games early but as Mike Penton has said time and time again in order to be a successful defense over the course of the season you need takeaways you need pressure and right now the Broncos are getting neither.
0: Yeah when you want to look at a statistical comparison the Broncos obviously played the Bears last week after the Packers played them in week one and really from a yardage standpoint other than Cordarel Patterson ripping off about a 46 yard run yeah. for Chicago in one of those funky formations out of the backfield, the Broncos defense really did to the Bears offense statistically, yeah. you know, the same type of job that the Packers did. Trubisky didn't have a pass, I don't believe, of more than 25 yards, a completion that is. And the Bears running backs, other than I said, the one long run by Patterson. The Bears running backs did not uh, have any other explosive gains, really. But not having any sacks and turnovers has been the difference, even though... Um, to the Broncos' credit, they did hold the Bears to just 13 points until the last play of the game. Yeah,
1: and that's all you know. That's where the difference is going to be made. I, again, up until that last play, Mitchell Trubisky had 90 passing yards in that game. <laughs> but I think what it shows you, though, Mike, is that you can play really stout defensively, but if you don't get the takeaways or you don't get those critical stops when you need them the most, how it's going to impact the the final outcome of the game. So I expect there's going to be a hungry team coming in here. And I I wrote about this in inbox this week. I think it makes the Broncos really dangerous because they didn't, and we'll move on to offense here in a second, but they didn't trade for Joe Flacco thinking that this is just going to be a total rebuild year. John Elway wants to find a quarterback. The Broncos want to return to being a contender. And let's be honest, that division has suddenly become a real juggernaut now in the NFL and they're trying to keep up with the Joneses. So, yeah, this is uh, this is going to be a tried and true test. You win with defense, I think a lot of times in this league. the The Broncos won a Super Bowl a few years back based on that defense. We Absolutely. remember that team that the Packers had that went into Mile High, and you know they struggled to pass the ball on this defense. And so, that was
0: when the Packers were six and zero and riding right. high, and that Broncos defense that ultimately ended up winning. The Super Bowl that year, that Broncos defense completely shut down Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. That was four years ago, I believe. Yeah, right. And
1: you know, yeah. right now, the Bron- Broncos do technically have a top 10 defense, but if you're Aaron Rodgers, if you're Aaron Jones, you want to protect the football, that offensive line needs to protect the quarterback because this little mini gauntlet that they're on here of facing defenses that can hurt you, you know, the Packers haven't escaped that yet.
0: Yeah, well, you mentioned Joe Flacco on the offensive side of the ball for the Broncos, and as you said, John Oway made the trade, brought him in, because they feel like they can contend yeah. now in a, in a tough division with the Kansas City Chiefs, the Los Angeles Chargers, and whatnot. And Flacco, his numbers so far this year, statistically, things look okay. Yeah. But much like the Packers, the Broncos aren't scoring enough points. They are trying to get their running game cranked up. Interestingly, though, the guy who made all the headlines for them last year in the ground game, Philip Lindsay isn't really producing to the level he was last year, but the number two guy, Royce Freeman, is the one who's uh, you know kind of been a bright spot offensively.
1: They're going to have to make a decision here on what they want to do unless yeah. they f- are fully committed to this uh, committee approach. Because right now, I mean, Phillip Lindsley, you know, uh, one of the top rookies in the league last season, I think he was the only undrafted rookie that made the all-rookie team uh, in 2018 didn't he go to the Pro Bowl
0: yes as well? correct yeah and the
1: only one to make yeah. the Pro Bowl 24 carries 79 yards only has a long of nine right now 3.3 yards per carry then you have Royce Freeman on the other side of it 21 carries for 110 yards a long of 26 and an average of 5.2 I think there's a lot of people you know when you look at the way that this backfield is constructed there's a lot of people, I think, including myself, that thought Royce Freeman, this was his backfield. They were going to turn the keys over to him. And then Lindsey kind of came out of nowhere last year to be that guy. So, what they want to do there is going to be interesting to watch and how they approach this game and how those reps are divvied up. Because, again, getting back to what a point I made a few minutes ago, you know, this team, since that Super Bowl run, or even before that, really, because there were some quarterback questions that year going back probably even to when Manning was an MVP, yeah. you know they've been built around the run, and there's been a lot of different guys that have carried that mantle for them. Yeah. They're trying to figure out who that guy can be for Joe Flacco in this offense right now.
0: As far as the weapons in the passing game, Emmanuel Sanders, who was a free agent signing, I guess it was a year or two ago, I'm yeah. trying to remember my timeline exactly, Couple. but a, a free agent signing from the Pittsburgh Steelers, yeah. he's there. Six. You know, Is that really how yeah. long? Are you serious? That's it how quickly that time moves, yeah. Okay, well... <laughs> Sorry about that, folks. I thought it was just a couple of years ago. Um, But he came over from the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's been a pretty steady, consistent presence for them in the passing game.
1: 32 years old already. Wow.
0: And yeah, well, clearly I didn't realize he was that (laughs) old, or I would have thought uh, he had been there longer. Um, But Aside from Sanders, who else has Joe Flacco? At least in this early going, he's only got two starts under his belt as a Broncos quarterback. But who else is he looking at?
1: There? Well, Cortland Sutton is the other person in this uh, in this offense. You know, since the Demarius Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders era kind of went by the wayside,
0: and he is kind of a young guy, right? Like, Sutton actually is young. Yeah, let's okay. see. Let's
1: get an official age here. I want to say okay. he's 24, 23 years okay, old. Thank you. Uh, last year, really promising <laughs> rookie season: forty-two catches for one hundred seventy-four yards out of SMU. He was one of my favorites at the combine in twenty. 20- that's right. Yeah. Uh, he's off to a nice start. Had 120 receiving yards against Oakland, six foot four, 216 pounds, uh, a you know, really dynamic player. I think without having him in front of me, I think he ended up going in the second round. They have high aspirations for him. He's been a favorite target so far early, as I was just saying with Joe Flacco in this offense. And so, the thing I love about Sanders is that he was one of the rare exceptions where a guy reaches free agency at that position and really hasn't kind of Reached his ceiling yet. Uh, He had four fine seasons with Pittsburgh, but it was when he got to Denver that he really took off. Uh, I think he had a 1,400 yard season during one of those years. His numbers have kind of plateaued the last two seasons, but still a very dynamic guy that the Packers are going to have to be concerned with.
0: Well, here's an interesting stat I'll just throw at you, and I don't want to get into too long a discussion about it. But Garrett Bowles, the left tackle for the Denver Broncos, through two games, he's already been flagged five times for holding. Now three of those were declined, <clears throat> excuse me. But the bottom line is five flags for holding in two games. We've seen there's been this emphasis on holding. Holding calls are up around the league. We've seen we saw David Bakhtiari in yeah. week one in Chicago, an all pro, the number one left tackle in the league last year. First team all pro guy got flagged for flagged twice for holding in week one. But this is one of those things when when uh, if a guy starts to get that kind of reputation amongst the officials, the officials look at the stats and stuff right. too to know who's out there and what's going on. Be interesting to see just what Mike Pettin dials up, so to speak, or who he wants matched up against Bowles at left tackle for a guy who. Uh, is struggling a little bit to stay away from the penalty flags.
1: Yeah, the, the 20th overall pick in 2017, he was an all-rookie member of the PFWA during his rookie season, but yeah, he's it's, it's one of those rocky starts that you sometimes deal with. You look at you know the way that this offensive line has been built over the years, uh, that was one of the reasons why they were able to win a Super Bowl with Peyton Manning, with some of the issues that they did have in the passing game, is what they were able to do with that line and what they were able to do with that run game. Bowles has been kind of a part of that next guard. There really has been a passing of the torch in the last couple of years. You know, Ronald Leary, the former Dallas Cowboys guard, I've always been a big fan of his work. They signed him a couple of years ago. He's been kind of moved in there at right guard. Certainly, Delton Reisner is a guy that you and I have talked a lot about over yeah. the last year.
0: He was one of my favorites at the combine this, uh, this, this past year. And
1: they're currently using him at right guard, Yeah. Uh, or I should say, excuse me, left guard. So they have some pieces there, but... You know, the, the linchpin to all of this is Bowles. He was the first-round pick. He was seen as the franchise left tackle. And this is where, if you're Zedarius Smith, Preston Smith, and the rest of those edge rushers, you want to be able to give them a run for their money a little bit and make things uncomfortable for Joe Flacco. Because as we've seen over the years, Flacco can hurt you, but he's also a guy that pretty much stays to that pocket. Yeah. So... I think in some ways it's a very similar matchup to what they saw a week ago with Kirk Cousins.
0: Yeah, right? I think that's a matchup to watch definitely in this game. Uh, real quickly here, Wes, select Cousin Subs locations are now offering delivery. Whether you're ordering, catering, or your favorite sub, they're delivering right to you when you order online at CousinSubs.com. Cousins Subs, we believe in better. All right, another aspect with regards to the Packers and this most recent victory against the Vikings that I want to get back to, you posted a story on – packers.com yesterday it's your weekly or sometimes semi-weekly player on the rise feature and you actually selected two players in talking about the tandem the Packers have at cornerback (laughs) the young cornerback tandem of Jair Alexander and Kevin King and we talked a lot in the offseason Wes as you know we mentioned I wrote a story in the yearbook about it talking to both of these guys They feel like when they are on the field together, they can be one of the top cornerback tandems in the league. This Mike Pettin defense, in the little that we saw last year when these two were on the field together, the defense was playing at a different level. Through two games, both of these guys have been on the field, knock on wood, playing their fair share of snaps, and uh, it's making a big difference for Mike Pettin's crew.
1: I'll be honest with you. One thing I am kind of kicking myself with, and certainly our offseason was pretty busy. Um, I know there was a couple of different projects I worked on. I am sort of kicking myself. I didn't do a little bit of a study on where these, where this defense was at when King was available, because I even think, I go back to that second game of the season against Minnesota when right. King played to when he left the game and just the real big difference there. Yeah, Minnesota's
0: fourth quarter comeback and I know, you know, it, there was the penalty controversy, but Minnesota's fourth quarter comeback, they suddenly became this explosive offense yeah. in the fourth quarter to get that game to overtime and Kevin King's absence was a huge part of that. All you have to do, you look at you look at the second half of the first Minnesota game and then the entire second Minnesota game when the Packers did not have both King and Alexander, and look at the numbers that Diggs and Thielen put up against the Packers in 2018 compared to what they did
1: yeah.
0: on Sunday in the first matchup of 2019. Night and day difference in terms of production. <laughs> it
1: was pretty incredible when I looked it up. I mean, it was like almost like 460 yards or something like that in two games, yeah. and two receivers, and they had five touchdowns, and they were all pretty much balanced across both games. So, yeah, they were a big problem. And, you know, suffice it to say, King and Alexander took care of that issue. And this is going to be something, as long as those two are on the field, I think the Packers are very confident uh, about putting either of those guys outside on anybody in this league and being able to be up to the task. And Aaron Rodgers' comment after the game was very telling as well, where he said, you know, we've had you know, various guys who have come through here over the years that maybe they don't really want that, that smoke with the top receivers in the league. And he wasn't singling out anybody, but he's been around for 15 years. He's seen a lot of ball. Yeah. Kevin King, not that guy. Jair Alexander, not that guy. They want the challenge, and you know King. When I was in his huddle and talking with him a little bit after the game, he echoed the same thing because he was asked. He's like, you know, do you do you feel pressure in these instances? He's like, we don't feel any pressure. You know, you see us in the way we act. They want that challenge. Uh, Jair Alexander does not back away from that challenge. I think the way he played in that game, you know, he's within a. You know two eyeballs and a fingertip of catching that interception yeah that ended up being on the 45-yard touchdown pass for Diggs and he didn't bat an eye he came right back with a short memory of the next series as long as those two guys are healthy and in that secondary I think the Packers really like where they stand right now at their cornerback position
0: yeah I mean their their approach their attitude throughout the whole offseason was evident was palpable in a sense anytime you talk to him I know we keep referencing the yearbook story that I wrote but I had separate one-on-one interviews with the two of them for that story. And in separate conversations, they both talked about how they want the challenge of taking on that number one receiver to the extent that, you know, behind closed doors, they were joking that, you know, they, they'd probably be fighting with the other guy over, <laughs> over who was going to get it, or they'd be making their pleas to Mike Pettin, you know, yeah, give me this assignment kind of thing. And, and yeah, that's what you that's what you love to see and love to hear. Aaron Rodgers was making reference back to the days of when the three, the top three cornerback group for the Packers was Charles Woodson, Al Harris, and Tremont Williams, when he was the, you know, the young up-and-coming guy behind the two veterans. Now, he obviously couched it. Charles Woodson is going into the Hall of Fame. He's, you know, Rodgers considers him, you know, maybe one of the best football players he ever played with. I
1: think he even said the best. Yeah. I don't think he minced words at all.
0: And uh but that being said, it's the it's the attitude and the approach that, you know, whether you're talking a future Hall of Fame wide receiver on the other side or whoever it is, that there's no backing down, that it's like, all right, this is my job, let's go, let's play. And uh um and these guys th- these guys take that approach every single time.
1: And one of the things that's exciting about this particular duo is they're both right in the same, you know, generational gap in terms of NFL careers. And when Rogers made that analogy with Woodson, Tremond and, and Al Harris, it's a good analogy. He's talking about three of the best cornerbacks to do it in Green Bay. Mm-hmm. But they were all at various different points of their careers. Tremond was right at the beginning. Al Harris was pretty near the end. And, you know, Charles Woodson was probably in maybe the early fourth quarter at that point. Yeah. Uh, When he kind of had his late resurgence, these two guys are both young 20 something, you Mm -hmm. know, guys that have a lot of athletic ability. I thought you had a really astute observation about the interception that King had, where he was actually when he caught that pick, he wasn't even high pointing the ball at that point. He was actually on his descent along with Diggs and that's just what you get from him though at 6 foot 3 the the ranginess the the catch radius the speed the quickness yeah just
0: how long he can keep his body in the air when he elevates like that that he was still he was able to stay in the air long enough to still get his hands on the ball even though he was coming down and, and crashing to the
1: ground. And the point I want to make with this is when you look at this defense and the way it's structured right now, you don't just have good defensive tackles, good outside linebackers, and good cornerbacks. You have players who play a position but are also incredible athletes. Kenny Clark is not your traditional defensive tackle. He has more speed and quickness than most at that position you've seen it with Preston Smith. Preston Smith has an interception in his last 5 seasons now or whatever that is. <laughs> I mean, Zadarius Smith, what he can do, the athleticism. These are guys that are that test off the charts and play at a different level. If these guys can stay healthy, I I think ultimately that's what's going to help the most. You have the chemistry, that's incredibly important. You have the guys playing disciplined football, incredibly important. But when you talk about an absolute athletic perspective with guys like King and Clark and Alexander mixed with some of these veterans they brought in, the Packers are just a cut above right now. I mean, we're talking about a defense that you know, you can make an argument as one of their most talented that they've had since the Super Bowl, if not the most talented. And a lot of these guys are in the prime of their careers.
0: Yeah, I mean that's how that's how this thing has been built. When you combine all the investments in the draft picks in recent years with then that free agent class of signing three um, as you say, prime of their career starters to come in and start right away and be leaders. Zadarius Smith voted a team captain yeah, right off the bat. when uh, before he even plays his first game essentially as a Green Bay Packer, he's voted the permanent captain on the defensive side of the ball. That says something about about these guys and, and about their presence since the day they arrived.
1: And it makes for some fun banter between King and, and Alexander about okay, which guy is the number one shutdown guy. <laughs> But the real serious note to that is that then you have a game like Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs coming in, and you need two guys that are going to be able to match up with those guys. The Packers had that. They're going to see Sutton and Sanders this weekend. You're going to see a litany of those other combinations to come. Those guys are on the field. I think Mike Pettin likes his chances.
0: Yeah, I think he does too. With that. We're going to call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team on Packers.com. Subscribe to us, like us on iTunes and other podcast services. On Twitter, he's at West Hot. I'm at Mike Spofford, at Packers for the team account. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. See you next time.